0: And I'm Lofty Fulton, and I'm out of here. Hey, it's been a while since we talked about our old mate Jason Furman. Uh, Has he paid his bills? He has paid his bills. Oh, okay. So we should record him a new ad. Surely he has a website now? Uh, No, he does not. Oh. Uh, Maybe he's provided a direct phone number people can order through? Uh, I'll just check. Nope, no phone number either. I like the way that you're actually pretending to look whether he has provided... (laughs) (laughs) So, if you want to get in contact with Dation, you still have to do that through Facebook. <laughs> it's Einswick uh, Dogquip. E I N Z W E C K. Jason can hook you up with all the things you might be interested in getting. The fireport Mills, which a lot of people are getting and loving. Mm. He has Herm Springer products, if you're into those. Yep. He has balls, leashes, tugs. Yep. And at the moment, he has a 10% discount on all Canine USA products. That's pretty cool. And I believe he's got a lot of
1: the other stuff that you can use to compete in GRC as well, such as the sleds and the Mm.
0: spring poles. Yeah, that's correct. He yeah. sure does. Well, that's so great. That's a sport that. taking the world by storm. Yeah. So if you're into that, or you just like train your dog, having a good time, have a chat to Jason on Facebook at Ironswick Dog Dogquip. Yep. Send him an inventory via Messenger
1: and get your gear. <laughs> <laughs> get a website, Jason, you bozo.
0: Yeah. Welcome back to the Canine Paradigm. I'm your host, Pat Stewart. I'm joined in studio by my co-host, Glenn Cook. Hey, mate. How are you doing? I'm all right. You sound like you just got off an airplane. (laughs) I did. I just landed this morning, 16 hours flying home from America, Mm. and I'm here pretty tired, not going to lie. Yeah, you sound like you've got the aeroplane drunks. Yeah. Mm. (laughs) That's a way to describe it, isn't it? Do you feel like
1: you're so drunk you just don't
0: know what to do with yourself? Yeah, it's got that slowness about you.
1: Yeah, yeah, like time is going
0: backwards on you all of a sudden. Mm -hmm. How was it? Yeah, it was good. It was a good trip. You know, a bunch more people at a workshop, Mm -hmm. three-day one this time, at Jen Felix Place in Riverside, California. Yep. Had people travel from all over the place, but it was mostly sort of locals. And it was good. Some really cool dogs in the working spots. People sort of you know, put up with me talking at them for three days.
1: <laughs> and, looked uh, good. From what I, I saw, Jen's live Facebook feed that mm-hmm. she was doing and lots of really good feedback. Yeah. And it looked like you yeah, had a good crowd over there. Yeah. Weather looked good too.
0: Yeah. Uh, it, it rained a little bit for one of the days, but yeah, it was perfect. I mean, it was great. Well, you would have been inside doing a theory at that stage, right? Yeah. It's funny because we were basically at like- Perfect opposite ends At the moment The weather in California Is based, Or well in LA anyway Is almost exactly the same As what it is here right now you We're having I mean? like A Indian summer At the moment Or Indian winter Or whatever you call it Like
1: it's winter here At the moment mm. Or just about But the weather here At the moment Is t-shirt weather Like it's yeah. been 25 degrees Celsius Sunny and I've been out working
0: in a T-shirt pretty much every day. Yeah. It's, it's been too hot to wear a jumper outside. Yeah, cool mornings, but like nice days. Yeah. And it was the exact same thing there. Mm. So that was an easy transition. But yeah, anyway, it was a good seminar. Everybody seemed to be happy with it and everybody expressed that there was something they were going to be able to implement and take away from it all. It's interesting to me, you know, the content is pretty much the same that I'm delivering. It's a Nepopo stuff, but to different crowds and, and different Crowds, different areas tend to find different parts of it more interesting or more revealing of the system. Mm. Like people have their own idea of what it is and it's it's not uniformly like, oh, that's the piece I was missing. But it, it's different everywhere you go. People are missing like little different pieces of it. Um, but, yeah, it was good. Everybody seemed happy. Cool. No one booed me off yet. So, well, that's good. I'm that's still, still. On my, still on my winning streak. <laughs> <laughs> Melbourne's next, so we'll see. Yeah, that's going to be good.
1: And yeah, so you've got the one with uh, Alex. Mm-hmm. When What date's that? Uh, that's a good
0: question. I don't remember.
1: Yeah, it's that's coming up very soon. End of June. Yeah. And then we're June. down there with Alex mm-hmm. together at the start of August. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of August, again, we're together with... Emma Murdoch in, in Canada. Canada. Yeah, that's right. So, so I bought this is it, is hat. It, I bought
0: this Canadian hat I know, hat here. I saw
1: you. That's a pretty cool hat. I yeah. like that.
0: Yeah, people yeah. can't see it because it's a radio show, but I've, I'm, ready. I'm ready, Canada. I'm, yeah. I'm ready to come Yeah, You haven't to been to in. Canada before, have you? No,
1: never. It's no. Me, same for me. It's a virgin territory for me, mm-hmm. which sounds revealing
0: or appealing in itself. So, I want to talk about something about that now. Mm, let's do that. Okay. So- we said a while ago, so we're going to Canada. We're doing a three-day workshop in Ottawa. Yep. And that's the weekend prior to- our number to, one fan, our yeah, top fan, Emma, Emma Murdoch. And then that's the week prior to conference. And we were going to road trip to conference. And yes. we said- We wanted to hang out with cool people. Well, yeah. What we said obviously has been misinterpreted or misunderstood. Because we said if you live along that route get it, and you're cool, get in contact with us- and I think people thought we were fishing for somewhere to stay. Oh, really? <laughs> it's, and it's not that because people like, I suppose you could stay at our house. And it's like, no, no, we're looking for it's like someone to train what do you dogs mean, or I something. I suppose you could stay yeah, at our that's house. Like edge. you
1: should be saying, you know, like, dude, yeah. party at my joint. I guess
0: I have a, a spare couch. Oh, wow. Thanks. But, so yeah. what we wanted to do was drive because we've got, like, what have we got, five days or something For to get there? Five days, yeah. So we wanted to drive from Ottawa to Colorado Springs and maybe film, like, a bit of a vlog or something along the way. I don't know what we'll do with that, but it's just something to do. And I wanted to call in on people and do some dog training with them. Yeah, who are and, dog industry people? Yeah, mm. and, like, pull into, you know, people's facilities or or training areas or whatever and do like an interview with them and Mm -hmm. say, hey, like, what do you do? Tell us about what you do. Show us what you got. Maybe work some dogs together. Who knows? Whatever. So if you're on that route or not far from it and you're interested in that, let us know. And what would also be cool is then we could pick up, like our convoy could get bigger. Oh, that would be fun. Yeah. So if you want to, because I know there's some people who say like there was a bunch of people from Maine and Mass and stuff that were at the seminar I did there. Yep you got to hear this stuff a few times. So they're going to come to Canada now and then they want to go to conference. So like they can road trip with us. and That would be fun. What I would like to do, if it's possible, is like pick up a posse along the way. Mm. So we'll, we'll road trip from Ottawa to Colorado Springs, yep. taking whatever detours we need to because we've got five days to do a three-day trip yep. to meet up with people. And then we can all start road chaining it all the way there and arrive – Arrive as a fist. Well, I've brought a vlogging camera. Ah. So I will bring that on
1: the trip and I will document our trip. Right. So I'll do it officially and I'll make a little video of it, like a movie of it. Yeah, it'll be fun to do. Yeah. Um, And we'll put it on YouTube. And uh, because we're going to, at some stage, we're going to start a Canine Paradigm uh, YouTube channel. Yeah. We could put it on Patreon or something to begin with, but anyway. Ah, yeah, let's do that. We'll give it to our Patreon people because Mm -hmm. they love us the most. Yeah, and if yes, that's right. (laughs) And we love (laughs) them. We love them the most. Hey, I got to say again, there's been another swag of people who've been jumping on Patreon to support us. Yeah, it's
0: taken a boost. Um,
1: It's it really has. The fantastic thing is Pat and I really got things set up. Finally, and recently we had a lot of problems with trying to get our bank sorted out to get it all sorted out. We're finally going to purchase our new recording deck. Mm-hmm. Thank you to the Patreon people. Mm-hmm. And also thank you to Patreon people who have been helping us keep afloat and keeping our show paid for. Mm-hmm. So all our subscription fees that we've got to pay for, our hosting fees, our network fees, everything like that. It doesn't sound like much, but it starts to add up because, you yeah. know, like it's 80 bucks here, 100 bucks here. There's all these little things that you've got to – Keep adding on to and plus subscriptions that we pay for to, to boost the show's mm-hmm. availability around. It's just another thing, another thing, another thing. And you and I were wearing it for quite a while, you know, which is several thousand dollars that we've put into it. Mm-hmm. I know we always say thank you to the Patreon people, but I can't not say thank you to the Patreon people. We mm-hmm. can't not say thank you because you really are holding our show together. Yeah. You know, you're the people- all of you who have contributed, who have, have put money in, who have kept the Canine Paradigm running, and our sponsors, of course, Jason Furman, people like that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's not just a big sales pitch. It's a
0: really big, heartfelt thank you yeah. for people that are really believing in us and, and keeping us floating. And the other good news is we now we've having sorted out that bank account and stuff, we're finally going to get the t-shirt thing going again. So, everybody, we owe plenty of t-shirts to people. We do. And trust me. That is fucking annoying me and it agitates me. It makes my skin itchy knowing that we have to send that out, but we haven't been able to facilitate that without making it more and more messy, but we can now. So the next few weeks that'll be sorted and you'll be, we'll be in contact. That'll be a new slogan a on the t-shirt. It makes my skin itchy. It makes, it's all messy and it makes my skin itchy. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. Okay. So on that Canada thing, we need to sort of know because we need to start planning for that. It seems like that's a long way away, but it's really not. And the Canada workshops starting to fill up as well. Like, and yeah, Emma
1: said that there's quite a swag of people on there, so it'd be good to see more people jumping on board. Yeah, so I'd love to see you in Canada. Love to hang out with you over those three days. Looking forward to the people who have reached out to
0: us. And mm-hmm. what did um, we settle on? What What are we doing there? I'm going to do the first day. It's going to be like Nipopo theory. It'll be pretty much an entirely theory day. Yeah, we're doing. It's based on Nipopo.
1: Um, puppy raising and selection Mm. and scent training. Okay,
0: yeah, perfect. But the first day will be pretty much all theory so that you've got the foundation on that and it'll be like the first day that I do at most workshops, the NipoPo one. So if you've seen that already and you need to hear it again, which most people sort of say they do, come along. I agree. It's something that you need to sit in a couple of times. Mm. It's one of those
1: things, when we did Bart's Silver and Gold School, it was one of those things that you need some time in the seat to digest it properly. Like to say you understand it, without really getting into the nitty-gritty of it. Like, I know learning theory very well because I teach it at NDTF. Mm -hmm. But knowing the very detailed specifics of what it is, it takes a little time to get your head around how it all starts to fall in place Mm. and how it stitches together. So if you do, that's the trick. The, yeah, the that's stitching the it together. yeah. It's the stitching. So if you do actually understand that, like if you've been following Bard and you've been to Pat's workshop, after a period of time, you'll start realizing, yeah, this is how it translates to the dog, and that's the very important part. Mm. It's one, it's understanding it yourself clear enough to be able to show it to the dog, and two, having the dog clearly understand it enough to be have to be able to translate it into something that's pragmatic. Mm. Um, being able to see the dog work the skill as well.
0: Yeah. You know, at the end of the day, the more the more I'm travelling around seeing people all over the world and their dogs and you sort of see the same mostly the same problems are just a lack of communication, you know? And work. Yeah. Well, it, I mean a too. lot of well, a lot of the people that you're seeing are almost doing too much work, but it's it's yeah. a mess to the dog. Like it's about clearly communicating with the dog. You're on the right track, you're incorrect, mm-hmm. you're right, you're correct, you you know, being able to articulate that quite precisely to the dog so that they can find their advantage. Yep. That's the trick of the whole thing. And and it's that pathways to communicating, giving the right amount of feedback in yep. the right level and volume that the dog can understand. Like, yep, this is my best chance of success. This mm-hmm. is what's going to make things the best for me. There's a guy in the States, Omar
1: van Mueller mm-hmm. and trained jumpy who trained jumpy, who is one of the probably arguably one of the most famous trick dogs in mm. history who'd passed away not too long ago. And I've been following Omar's work. I know you have as well. Mm-hmm. Um, we're friends with him on Facebook and have had conversations with him. Omar is one of these guys, as Bart is, and there's many. There's a reel of people that you go off that you could follow in sports and in training their own pet dogs or trick dogs or movie dogs, et cetera. But he is one of these people, like, I constantly look at his work and think, here is a guy who really knows how to talk to dogs, you know, like his communication skill. Because, I mean, the other day I was watching somebody show footage of a male walking across ropes. Mm-hmm. Omar taught a French bulldog to do it, mm-hmm. you know. So, I mean, your one skill is still impressive. To teach the male to do it, it's still impressive. And then to teach a French bulldog to do it, it's still impressive. Mm. But either way, like you've got to look at it and think, these people really understand how to break it down enough for the dog to translate exactly what it is you want it to do, and that's you know, and that's the beauty of a system like Napo Po when you're looking at it properly. Like it really does have that clear when it's when it's practiced right, it does have that really clear element that the dog goes, yeah, I understand everything about this, mm-hmm. and it fuels me with passion. Yeah, you know, that's that's the
0: great thing, the heart and soul prospect yeah. of it. Hey, speaking of Omar, mm. it makes me think about like movie dog roles. Have you seen John Wick three yet? Not yet. I have. Oh, you watch it on the plane? I watched it in the States. Oh, yeah. And? It's it's a John Wick movie. Yeah. But there is- um, got Mal's. Yeah. So there's a scene in it where Halle Berry, uh, they have to fight their way out of this place and she's got her two dogs and the dogs assist in the escape. Yeah. And all over Facebook, I've seen people like, oh, no, now everyone's going to want a mouth. And like this, that was the same when there was that movie Max and- Everybody gets upset about it. And I can see like of course, yeah. Hmm. But here's what annoyed me, right? <laughs> and so if in that We actually need I you know what I'm going to do? When we get this new deck,
1: I'm going to have like a little thing for it's like Red Faces back in the day had
0: like a song Sound for effect, what cheeses yeah. me off, so I'm going to yeah. have like a little theme song yeah, for yeah. things that what grinds Pat's gears. Yeah. Well, it just seemed Go to me, ahead. so like, if there's some things I know some stuff about, mm. it's gunfighting and dog training, right? Yeah, like that's That's, true. that's basically, that's, true. Yep. that's my whole yeah, shit. Yeah, I can't, no one can argue that. And so all the gunfighting in the John Wick, movies mm. is precise yep. it is accurate it is realistic how you could that, use a gun I,
1: i've got a man crush on that guy and he is a skilled fighter and a skilled weaponsmith
0: yeah i mean so it's highly stylized weaponsmith, version the gunfighter yeah yeah it's highly <laughs> stylized you know theatrical version it's still it's still it's but still the drills are accurate cutting, yeah the drills are accurate yeah So, what annoyed me was that they get these dogs in the movie and they're like front mouth pulley biters. And it annoyed me so much that I was like, how do you get the the gunfighting part so accurate and detailed? And then the dog training, obviously, there's a huge level of training in it. And I've watched some of the videos and all that. And there was actually four dogs. And Halle Berry had to actually be a large part of the training because the dogs actually had to work for her and blah, 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 blah. It was really well done. Mm. And I don't want to take too much away from it except that- that. there were numerous scenes where the dogs were front mouth, like, you know, just canines only. Just things that make us cringe. Yeah, well, just mm. the things that you're like, oh, that, that, that's, everything was awesome except for that. Yeah, like the, yeah. that dog's just biting that guy's clearly hidden sleeve and dragging him around by it. Like, yeah. that doesn't hurt. <laughs> that that it, The dog is got him by the clothes. You don't scream in pain when a dog is biting you by the clothes and dragging you around. That, that's not realistic. That's not how it goes. But other than that, it was good. Yep. But And then there's the, the worry everybody has, like, oh, now everyone's going to rush out and buy a Malinois. And, of course, a couple of people will do that, but I don't get so panicked about this as, as other people tend to. It is a knee-jerk thing. I mean, back in the day when they had
1: movies or cartoons, the Disney movies like 101 Dalmatians, a lot of people bought Dalmatians. Yeah, And then there was a movie called Shiloh where people started buying beagles, left, mm. right and centre, only to discover that, you know, sometimes Beagles don't make great pet dogs. Mm-hmm. So people are very driven by that type of marketing hype to think that one breed is superior to another one or make a perfect pet because in the movie that was very anthropomorphic and mm-hmm. it made this dog stand out as a perfect pet. And I, do, I have to agree with some of the people out there who have concerns because there's enough of a peanut gallery who get dogs that mm. they shouldn't have. Yeah. They shouldn't have them full stop. And then they get these dogs and, you know, that's where you start to red flag dogs that we don't want in the Mm. red flag category. Mm. So, I guess people who are in the male industry who are custodians and guardians of the breed do have concerns that, you know, like we've been doing such a good job with our dogs for all these years. The Rottweiler fraternity feels the same way. Mm. You know, I mean, there was almost looking at like an extinction level of Rottweilers at one stage because people were so irresponsible with them that Rottweilers were basically the dog that Satan brought to earth. Mm. You know, like they were in the movie The Omen and people used to point out that these dogs belonged in, you know, like devilish, cultish films mm. because that that's the type of dog they were. So, yeah, there is a stigma around it, but
0: hopefully it won't be what people think it is. Mm. I just think that if you breed Malinois <laughs> and you're so concerned about people breeding Malinois and them going into the wrong hands... Maybe it's because your experiences with nervy melanoirs that you breed.
1: Ooh.
0: <laughs> so, oh. Oh. Like, oh, deliver the sting patch to it. <laughs> like I don't know. It's yeah. just, just a little something I thought about. Yeah. All right. So don't breed nervy melmoirs. Yeah, don't breed nervy ones. Yeah. Just like don't mistake drive for nerve. That's yeah. a different thing. Yeah. I'd support that. There's, you won't get
1: an argument from me out of yeah. that. Yeah, we're both in the same boat on that. Hey, so We've kind of
0: just waffled for a little while.
1: We have, doing our introduction, and we haven't really gotten into the topic that
0: we want to talk about, which is- uh, Well, at the moment, there's some- Terrible video. Yeah. Mm. Some bad examples of dog training mm. that are circulating around. Yeah. And there's been just lately, I guess, I don't know if these things really do happen in succession or- like in clusters, or the media reports on them in clusters, because once you know, once a dog incident is available, it's easy to keep reporting a dog incident. Mm. But I think it's more than that as well, because there's, there's a lot of things that where nothing illegal has happened. There's just really bad training in some examples, and that's been shared around as well at the same time. So yeah, it just recently there's been numerous cases of you know dogs dying in people's facilities yep. due to neglect. Not, yeah. I mean, dogs die in facilities all the time. That happens. That. The, dogs die in people's backyards, exactly. in people's beds, you
1: know, like in veterinary clinics and everything yeah. like that. So you know, but, let's but, not demonize anybody in the industry who haven't done it deliberately. Yeah, that's right. But so, know, so there's been and some, we're talking about deliberation. Yeah, here. there's
0: been some clear cases of neglect, like dogs yeah. starving to death, yeah. And, yeah. Not, and that that is that is an abusive factor. Yeah, mm. and I think it's worth pointing out in these cases, it's certainly not like they were using existential food as a training modality, and like that's not what to happened. The dog, no, yeah. they mm-hmm. they. Forgot they had the dog. Yeah, it's the dog clear neglect. Had, yeah, been yeah. in a crate because they've taken in too many clients and they've got like I'm guessing they've straight out forgot that they had the dog and hadn't fed it, mm. which is fucking horrendous. Can you imagine that, like the that death of dehydration, which is essentially how you go in that regard, is horrific. But anyway, yeah, it's as bad as you can get. And then some recent videos of a guy with a bat chasing a Doberman around the room all the way through to another woman who keeps going Facebook Live and showing her terrible, terrible, uneducated, no-idea dog track. I can't even begin to imagine where she even learned to do those techniques. Mm. And we have to kind of speak a little bit cryptically because I don't want to... Well, here's the issue. What we want to talk about is what can we do as a community to... Reach out to these people and educate them better. Yeah, well, Mm. this is the problem. We need to there's a few prongs to it, right? Like exactly as you say, we have this burden of like, well, these people are doing what they're doing, thinking that it's, it's the right thing to do, or it's a, it's an effective thing to do and that it's okay. And we need to communicate to them. No, that's not. And, Mm. and get them if they're going to be in the industry on the right track. But then also there's a problem of, you know, not allowing these people to be representative of us. And, it's a fine line now that we all have to walk between saying to these people like, hey, that's not good dog training. You need to do it like this. Mm. But also then saying like, hey, you are not a fucking a representative of us and our techniques and say to everybody else, these people do not represent us. These are an extreme at the end of a spectrum. As balanced trainers, we're centered. And this is not an example of someone that we hold in any regard.
1: You and I were having a conversation about this, I think, last week, not long before you took off. Mm. And it might have been in something that we were almost considering podcasting about. But it was a scene from The Walking Dead when Negan talks to, Mm -hmm. I think it was Michonne or Maggie. He was having a conversation with one of them. Cutting a long story short, he pretty much gets to the end of the story and says, for those of you who aren't Walking Dead fans, there's a guy in there called Negan who's just a narcissistic psychopath. However, he makes this point right at the end of the conversations because he's been caught and locked up in one of the seasons by the presumable good guys. And he says to them, depends on you're talking to on each side because everyone thinks they're the good guy. Mm. And the strange thing is is that there's a lot of criticism that, it, that occurs and, and in some cases rightfully so because we're looking at in some of these cases, some pretty appalling type of work Mm. and clear cases of neglect where dogs are getting miserable deaths from people who should know better but seemingly don't. But some of these people who we know or consider and have a belief that they're doing appalling work, in their mind, they just don't understand that that's the case. Mm. And it befuddles me and many other industry experts and people in the industry who... Know that in order to educate yourself these days, it's not too difficult to get onto YouTube Mm -hmm. or to get onto a community-based service like this or many other dog training communities that exist around the world in, in hundreds and thousands of forums that there is a lot of accessible information out there. There's a lot of information courses that are available. Tyler Mudo does great ones on Consider the Mm Dog. Leerberg does their own online university and everything. There are so many places that you can go to and access amazing information from some of the most profound minds in this industry and around the world. And yet we still see people doing archaic training methods that have phased out Years and years and years ago. And I wouldn't condemn these people and say, you know, they're all that and I've never done that. Because in the old days of training dogs, it was very compulsion based. Mm. That's what we knew. You know, like 30 years ago, training dogs was about squashing dogs. You know, you kept dogs under control by this is where the whole dominance theory starts to spill out. And people's disdain and hatred for it gets really emotional to a point of where people are, making inaccurate claims about dominance and so forth because dominance theory was you know you had to squash the dog you had to keep the dog under control you had to show the dog who's boss and that's what we're still seeing in this day and age and this is why i instead of getting so angry and outraged about it i think Well, I don't think, I believe and I feel it in my bones and we both agree on this, is that these people really need to be reached out to. They really need to be shown examples of what better styles of training is and better styles of communication. And hopefully one day, because I can't see them just doing a flip overnight, but hopefully with a bit of kindness and a bit of understanding, I think that they might see the error in their ways because I think just calling them out and abusing the shit out of them and, and getting people to jump on, this is where that Negan saying comes into effect because he might or she might or they might or whoever it is just may retract into themselves and just say, these people are a bunch of fucking nuts. Yeah, They're crazy. Listen to them. Because from the other side, all you see is the witch hunt, Yeah, you know, people coming for you with pitchforks and guns blazing ready to burn you at the stake. And yet they believe they've done a good service. And and this person might be turning around saying, but this dog was chewing the shit out of people, you know, before I got to him. And I've managed to turn this dog into a, a safe, robust dog by my training methods. So they think they've been the good guy, and I'm this. I'm just playing the devil's advocate here. I'm not saying that this was right or wrong or anything like that, but I've just been on so many forums of late, and I've been in so many situations. Now, look, I've seen this video which which you're referring to, and it
0: and it did make my blood boil when I first saw it. Which one are you talking about? The, the woman, the, the Doberman one. Well, so here's the thing. I feel kind of differently about the two we're talking about that in the last week that have come out. There's the the guy with the Doberman. Yeah. But he's hitting that dog or with a fucking bat, right? Yeah. Like so, I feel like that is not a person in need of our kindness, right? Because if you need to be told, hey, there's new techniques and they don't involve hitting the dog with a bat.
1: Yeah, I'm um, no. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not defending it. I'm no, not no, no, defending no, it. no.
0: I'm, I know that. Yeah. But I, I feel like so. There's two scenarios I'm thinking of that have happened in the last week. There's yeah. the guy with the Doberman and carrying a bat. Yeah. And then there's the woman who's using e-collars and stuffing matches up dogs' assholes and is basically just f- shutting the dogs down. It mm. looks like she's in a basement. She does on Facebook. Yeah, I, I, I saw that one sent around as well. And I feel differently about both of them. I think they're both terrible, terrible yep. dog trainers. But I feel like one of them is a terrible person, guy with a bat, Yep, and is in no way entitled to our no, he should be prosecuted by an animal. Yeah. Um,
1: something like their SPCA or well, someone, someone should, someone needs to go and say to him, "Hey, mate, listen, I think you need to choose another career or go to jail." Yeah, yeah. I mean,
0: it's it's a clear case of animal cruelty. There's yeah. no two ways about it. I'm not defending that. No, no, yeah. and, and I, I'm not saying you're defending either. But the other is then there's this woman who. She's had loads of people – I've read a fuck ton of the comments on those lives and they are mostly balanced trainers, which is a good thing. It's mostly balanced trainers are Mm. are, are identifying like, hey, we need to get in here and and do something about this. Yeah. Mm. But she's arguing back saying that they're force-free trainers that just don't like her methods. And there's an example in the video. Like I said, we won't name it, um, but most people know what the fuck we're talking about anyway. Uh, She's going up. She's getting a a more powerful e-collar. To show the dog because he's being stubborn. And I'm like, this is what we talk about when we talk earlier when we we're talking about clarity and communicate clearly with the dog. Bitch. If that fucking dog knew how to stop that pressure, it would. Mm. You don't have to go to a more powerful collar. You are not providing adequate communication to the dog for it to understand what you want. Yep. And it is what you will be happy with at the end. Is she will not have trained the dog to do the things that she wants. She will have made that dog so fucking scared of making mistakes that it will be totally shut down and it will do nothing. Mm. And she will at that point claim that she's trained it well, to do, do what something. Will be aggressive or some, you know, like. Like there'll be some spill out effect of the behavior that will be totally. Well, and 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 all of the training that she's showing is usually like marker board style training. So mm. when the dog eventually figures out, fuck, if I just lay on this marker board flat and breathe as slow as I can, I, that's how one way I can escape pressure. Yeah, She'll return those dogs, board and trains. Look how fucking great this is. This is amazing. And so it's a real pickle because like I don't believe, if, you, if you're hitting a dog with a bat, you're being abusive and you know it. Yep. But I don't think she Especially thinks, in this day and age. Yeah. Like 30 years ago, people
1: didn't think about things that much. They didn't have the regard for animals like that. They should have. Again, it's not a defense, but they didn't think about things like it in, in this day and age. Now we've got, a, like the point I was trying to make before, what which is we've got such a Integral training based system that exists out there that there's
0: no excuse for not knowing it. That's mm. what I'm trying to say. Yeah. But so here's a problem, right? You look at the video of the guy with the bat, and I'm sure everyone can find it or has seen it. Mm. He is actually training the dog. The other woman is not because yep. when he threatens the dog with the bat, the bat down, the dog downs yep. and does exactly what he asked, right? And so he's a straight up abusing the dog. But he understands behavior and training. That's just the technique that he's chosen because you see he tells the dog to do something. The dog doesn't do it. He offers the correction in the form of a a beating and the Mm. dog does the behavior. I actually had to stop watching it halfway through. Yeah. Mm. It's horrific. Yeah. I didn't find any. But he understands behavior. He's just a fucking asshole that's chosen to to, to beat dogs with the bat. Mm. That's his tool. Yeah. But he understands what he's doing because you see it's effective in the video. Yeah. Right. Whereas the woman who's going to high level on the e-collar and calling the dog stubborn, she hasn't got a fucking clue. She doesn't know anything about behavior modification Mm. or training because the dogs aren't doing what she's talking about. And she's talking about how every one of the dogs in her video is particularly stubborn, blah, blah. Now, uh, they're a stubborn beings, I get that. But this is about a dog where, as we discussed at the start, they find their advantage. And if that dog knew, when you have to go, oh, we've gone to a more powerful e-collar, And now the dog's still not doing what he's told. Well, he fucking doesn't know what Mm. you want. Maybe try using some positive reinforcement and show him some of the things that you want and then layer in some pressure instead of just using pressure until the dog stops and stops doing everything, stops full stop. Mm. Anyway, so it's a tricky one because- Yeah, it is. Like, how do you help these people? And what do we do? What are we as a community meant to do? There's people who are saying to her, hey, this is not good training. And, mm. and some of the comments, of course, some of the comments are like, you're a horrendous bitch. But others are like, this is bad. Stop. And they're polite and uh, trying to explain to, to her that. And she, she gives feedback to them like, fuck you. You're just, you're one of my haters. Cognitive dissidents in anybody's defense Is
1: a terrible thing Mm. Defending something which is clearly wrong And still standing by that decision or that choice Is terribly frustrating for a community of people Who can see that it's completely wrong Mm. And yet the person still stands vigilantly behind their decision Or their choice to make it And that is very frustrating Paul Doyle was talking online the other day about, you know, you and me trying to get a politician on the show. Yeah. And as much as I agree, I'd love to have a politician on the show who would love to join us. If, you, if there is any politicians or any local area in Sydney, New South Wales, who are involved in any animal lawmaking, because we've just done our last podcast on that, if you are in the in the larger community and you are involved in decision-making in animal legislation and would like to come and join us on the show, please do so. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can contact us. You can email us on info at the mm-hmm. Join us on the show. I am reluctant that that would happen, but hopeful that it may. We
0: are able to not swear if that's a problem for you. If,
1: if you want to come out and have a civilized conversation and talk about it without it, it being um, any bias to it, so we can discuss how the function and role of somebody in your position works, the invitation is open. We'd love to have you on the show. Again, I have reluctance that that will happen because I've been spending a large part of my life trying to work with people in the decision-making processes who just don't seem to listen. Mm. So they have – I don't know whether I, – look, I don't know whether they're just following the popular choice, which is my suspicion. In order to stay in your job, you need to work with what's popular or is it based on what is actually right? You know, is there something about it that you know that we don't know that we maybe you can reveal to us mm. because there may be that – position that we just don't know why that decision was made. Mm. Mm, I don't know. Frustrating. But, Paul, you know, like when you put that point out, it's not like I'm just giving up. I am hopeful. I'm ever hopeful that there will be a a politician out there who is what I consider a balanced person in decision-making, who weighs up all the factors, who basically has, you know, the wisdom of King Solomon to sit there and say, okay, well, all the facts are before me. I can clearly see the benefits of the argument that you're putting forward, but also being very transparent about it to the public community that they can say, okay, well, here's the argument for, and here's the argument against. So being in a position where I have to decide what's right for the community and what's right for animal welfare, I can clearly see based on the scientific evidence before me that the tools that you're putting forward don't in fact cause the harm In what other people are saying Or That they do Mm. But Be transparent about it Don't just hide it away And And shuffle it off To a corner of the World that nobody Can get access to And nobody gets any Clear definitions Or answers in It should never be based on Well that's just how it is It should be based on What's actually right Mm. You know What's right What's scientifically proven And if If that happens Hallelujah Fucking hallelujah Mm. Love to see that happen Anyway, uh, we'll get back to our the premises of our main
0: conversation. <laughs> sure. Well, the the tool things is an interesting one to to talk about because in both those videos that we've been discussing, in both those videos, it's a problem of the person, not the tool. And you see, always. Well, so here's the thing, right? There's a guy chasing the doberman around with a baseball bat, mm. right? So he doesn't need. Uh, He's not wearing a tool. He's got a baseball bat. I think the dog is wearing an e-collar in the video, but either way, he's happy to use a baseball bat against the dog. He doesn't need, he doesn't need tools. And what is kind of scary to think about with the, the woman doing the Facebook lives that's cooking those dogs on the e-collars. This is what is really the most upsetting thing about that is for her and her level of training and the way that she's willing to deal with dogs Maybe an e-collar is one of the best tools that she can use because she has no interest in positive reinforcement. And to get, she would be going into injurious pain levels with dogs. Now, the thing with an e-collar is you can't injure a dog with it. That's impossible, right? You can psychologically fuck up a dog and you can cause a lot of pain, but you can't injure a dog. And you see, you can't burn them, and you can't scald them, and you can't yeah.
1: pit their skin with electricity no, or anything like that. None of that can it's happen. Physically impossible. Yeah, and that's all been proven in court. Yeah, you can leave skin necrosis from tightening the collar and leaving it on for too long a
0: period. Yeah, but you can do that with a flat collar, a right. or harness, or anything like that. That has like nothing that. to do with the function of. We've got to be got to be clear about this. Yeah, so that has nothing to do with the function of electricity. Yeah, and so the thing is, imagine if she wasn't allowed to use any e-collars or prong collars or any of the tools that are actually used on dogs, Mm. she's going to get the fucking baseball bat because- I shudder to think that would be the case. Because Mm. if she, all she knows how to do is use pressure with no tools that allow her to use pressure, Mm. she's going to fucking get those out. She's going to get the bat out. Yeah. And- this is the problem. It's it's not an issue of the tools. It's a issue of the people. Yeah, it's, of course. It's a it's a mindset of someone who would use those things. If if you're the kind of person that intends to just use all pressure or all force or all intimidation or all fear or whatever it is you choose to train a dog, you're going to find a way to do that. Whether you have an e collar, a prong collar, or whatever available to you, you are going to find a fucking way. And so that's the that's where it's a real problem for this because I, as we've just talked about, her use of the e collar is horrific it's terrible 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 use i'm sure no one taught her how to do any of that i'm sure that she's picked it up and was like here we go by myself or maybe there are certain individuals that other will remain nameless that she's been inspired by but that thought process that got her to doing that is there with or without that tool So those dogs are going to be getting bashed and crashed into position, whether that's via a tool that will help that happen or by her bare hands. And and then there certainly ain't going to be no Facebook lives when it goes like that. And this is where
1: the fueling system comes into play when people are watching this and whether it's self-taught or whether it's inspired through the work of other people. I mean, if that is still something that's going around in communities, God help us. You know, this is why you're, not you in any one particular but this is why we see ourselves in these delicate situations of fighting for our lives in the the ability to use these tools because we've just got people who they don't seem to evolve they seem to be stuck in a rut you know they're not looking at it objectively and saying you know I don't really think I'm at my best in my game mm. I need to look outside the square or the pox that I'm stuck in And examine other training methods. I'll give you a bit of a no-brainer here when you're talking about tools and the selection of them and how it affects us over term. Let's say, for example, you want to spray paint something. Mm -hmm. Where do you go?
0: Bunnings. Okay. So when you go to Bunnings to get your spray paint, tell me about the situation of that. Well, you have to – the spray paint is locked up, so you have to find someone – who will confirm that you're over 18 and they unlock the spray paint and give you what you want. Herein rests my case. Mm -hmm. It's not the spray paint's fault. It's Mm. just a
1: can of compressed air with paint particles inside it, Mm -hmm. okay? But the fact is, is because certain people abuse it, the rights of everybody else is now that you have to be inconvenienced. You can't just go to the shelf pick your spray paint you have to go and find someone in the fucking shop Mm -hmm. you know for five minutes hunting around for a staff member that will come and unlock the cabinet for you Mm -hmm. and then and as pat said if you're under 18 you can't buy it without an adult present Mm -hmm. because you're automatically viewed as somebody who would use it for criminal purposes one of those graffito tags. one of those graffitists yeah
0: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) graffitists
1: yeah (laughs) what do you call someone who can't graffiti properly. Would they be a defeatist graffitist? Um,
0: perhaps. 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 That's a dad joke. Somebody will pay me for that one. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, you're right. And so, certainly the same thing could certainly exist, you're saying, with, with tools, that there would be a, a some sort of checks and balances in the sale of that. Uh, but it, like I say, I, 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 I'm not convinced that that's going to help because like I, I formerly I was two weeks ago, I was like, yeah, legislate and have mandatory training in these tools. And maybe that is, uh, uh, maybe that is a path to go down, but we're still talking about the one percenters, but the one percenters are people who love to
1: see themselves on TV or in yeah, the newspaper. That, yeah That's right. You know, one percenters, some of the craziest people I've ever met in this industry love getting their face out on social media. They, they're the first person to put their hand up. They've got, untapped comp- – oh, I wish I had their confidence. They've got untapped confidence. They'll have a go at any job. They'll do anything, and they're fucking batshit crazy. Mm. You know, I mean, so, like some of the worst people I've ever seen in the industry will declare themselves. They'll throw their hand in the air. They'll jump up and down. They'll, they'll try and do a backflip just to, to get noticed. And what befuddles me even further is that they, they actually get a look in. Mm. That just – that defies logic like i sit there and say how there are such capable people but usually the capable people don't speak up as much yeah
0: that's you right you know
1: they they maybe they're lacking confidence or they they seem to think you know it's lacking integrity to jump up and down and behave like that and yet you you're sitting there scratching your head going how the hell would sensible people consult with this person or these people based on their lack of knowledge and it's, it seems so glaringly obvious to us, but to other people, maybe they're they're so lost in the fanfare of what they're doing at the time that they don't see what we see. Mm. And that is a, a real struggle. Look, I've met people before, and I've been absolutely taken in by the dog and pony show that they put on before me. You know, they've, they've sold me a con story, and I don't get done by too many these days, but back in the day when I was very impressionable, people would tell me things, and I would think, my God, this person is the best dog trainer in the world and it was all story based Mm. it was just based on their story and yet you watch what they're doing as opposed to somebody who is very much a skilled operator and very clever at what they're doing and you think you guys are fucking
0: phonies Mm. but anyway so what do you think then as a community what should we do about these people as far as like self regulation with noting that like the police will take care of Doberman guy but E-collar chick what, uh, what can we do as a community to intervene? What's the most effective thing we can do or what should we try and do to intervene ourselves before it becomes a legal problem?
1: You know, I'd like to say that the best thing that we could do is utilise our agencies like SPCAs and so forth with a degree of reliability to be able to say to them, look, here's what an example of good use with the training tools is. And how it has a positive effect on the dog. Yeah, this is clearly a case of abuse, and this lady needs to be prosecuted for yeah. it. And since you are the agency who deals with that, then you need to send somebody over there to to speak to her about what she's doing and give her a cease and desist.
0: Yeah, the problem is though she's not really breaking any laws. Like, and there's no like we say there's no physical harm to those animals. There's plenty of mental. She's put that shit all over the internet. I mean, if, if she was actually able to be – the guy with the Doberman, they, he got picked up that night, police were at, at the place, within yep. an hour of that footage being online. Mm. Good. But with her, there's, she's not actually – just doing terrible dog training. Mm. There's not actually doing anything illegal. Certainly unethical, immoral, bad by every practice you can imagine, by every industry standard, but she's not actually doing anything illegal. So, like, what as a community can we do? So, like, my opinion on this, I think – so, like, Ivan Balabanov shared the video. Yep. One of. Saying this is not an example of good dog training. Good. And I think – and had some further comments on that. And I thought that was a really good step by him because you then go, okay, well, he's a world champion in a sport, a known guy in the industry. There's not too many people that would hear his name and not know it, right? Mm, Absolutely. So, I think having people see names like that share their videos – and saying this is bad, I feel like that's a good step. Yes.
1: Maybe even the ISCP step in, like a peer review panel, put together a informed letter to her like, yeah. and actually send it to her rather than sending it on social media for everybody to to view, personally send it to her and just say, Listen, the video that we've seen is distressing for a number of reasons. And here is a list of recommendations from a peer review panel that we would encourage you to take on board and here is a support line for you to call and speak to people without judgment who will offer you education and be able to sit down with you and consult with you on how we could help you improve what you're actually doing because right now what it is, is a standard
0: that we find unacceptable. Yeah. I 100% agree with that. And I believe that without sort of speaking out of school, I believe that something like something Perfect. along those lines is, is currently underway. Yep. And I I think that that is the path forward is hearts and minds. Hearts and minds. Yep. And and it's finding a way to communicate to her and anybody else in that position that like, hey, this actually isn't good. And, and when you come at people publicly, then that can go sort of, each way right mm. some people can then just double down well fuck you like and now to, I have to, to for my own ego or my pride or whatever I have to just double down and deny it and say you're wrong there's and- also the sorry to cut you off there's also the risk of people taking their
1: lives in situations like that where they are completely overwhelmed by a wave of hatred mm. you know like you've got to understand this this is a delicate balance sometimes in these situations there was a porn star not long ago, yeah. who she made some pretty out there statements about who she wanted to work with or not. And then she received such overwhelming hatred from the public, you know, calling her a racist bigot bitch and blah, 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 that later that night she went and killed herself. Mm. And What was so out there about what <clears> she said? People felt that, well, I think what she said was that she wasn't prepared to sleep with a gay person or, or have sex with a gay person on
0: on video and the community really. Yeah. It, that was actually, I know that the case I heard about on something else. It was mm. that, well, it's a, I don't know, someone had had potentially tested, they'd done gay porn as well. And then had been exposed to someone who had, have HIV or something like that. But yeah, yeah she essentially said she didn't want to have sex with someone and then was hit by the community. Yeah. Like, un, like it was a tirade of, of absolute
1: hatred yeah. to her. And, and, and th- those things aren't helpful, you know, like, here I am. When before I've been one of the people carrying the pitchforks and saying some pretty nasty things to people before. Now I rethink it because of things like that.
0: Mm. You know, because to be honest, I did. You give the punchline. So she was she was bullied so hard on social media that she killed herself. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, that's what happened. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, she killed herself
1: from from what happened. So I, I wouldn't like to see that happen. Mm. You know, like I don't think anyone deserves that. I think I think everybody has the opportunity to receive a a little bit of support and just say, listen, just hear me out and be open. If you give them all that and then they choose, I'm talking about making choices, if they choose not to, there's not much you can do for a person who chooses not to. Mm. You know, if they're that pig ignorant and they turn around and say, no, I will not do any of that because I don't want to and they make that clear and distinct choice, what can you do? Mm. You know, hopefully that's when, agencies will step on them and not on the rest of us Yeah, because that's the real fear. Like you were talking about the John Wick thing with people, you know, their concerns about people running off and buying males. Well, I mean, for us who are advocates of the correct use of tools, the ethical use of tools in training with proper education and benefits for the dogs, geez, if you haven't heard us saying this before, you must be living under a rock and we're not teaching you how to suck eggs because – This is one of the things that we wanted to promote in our show pretty much from the conception of the canine paradigm is we wanted to talk about the balance aspect of life in just about everything that we're doing. You know, Not how people have this runaway feeling and get carried away on the emotive side of it, but the actual reality. We want to provoke scientifically backed, free-thinking people to come forward and put together good arguments based on what is real as opposed to what is imagined Hmm. or felt and you can't help but feeling things when you look at these videos you can't help it you know you can't help of feeling sick and enraged sad and just perplexed how people can still train like that and that's what happens to me when i look at them i I just watch them and think again going back on what i said before sorry let me just stop i'm getting a little bit worked up here I get people who ask me questions about things that have the same access to information that I've got. Like Mm. somebody will say to me, hey, what do you reckon of this? And I'll just say, I don't know. But I'll get my smartphone out and I'll open Google Mm. and I'll type it in. And there it is. There's access to the answer. And that's- I've never been in such a lucrative position of information as I am now. Mm. You know, like there's a, an age gap between us, but we still came from an age where smartphones didn't exist when mm. we were kids. Kids today have got information to every encyclopedia or every bit of information from every section of the world around the world by their smartphone. Mm. And it doesn't it takes seconds to access it. And still people won't do it. That Just defies logic in my mind. Does that bother you as much as it does me? (laughs) It does amuse me. It doesn't amuse me. It troubles me. Like you, you have trouble sleeping at night about, you know, people locking dogs into backyards who have- yeah. capabilities that they're never going to fulfill. Well, that's one of the things that keeps me up at night Yeah, is wondering how the fuck do you not understand that you have a supercomputer that mm. used to fill up a house in your pocket that you're complaining that there's not enough funny cat videos and memes about. Yeah. And yet you could, you could grab anything. And I mean, there's so much educational material that you can access on that
0: little box that's sitting in your pocket mm-hmm. and yet people still aren't doing it. Mm. Well, and but I think in, in the case that we're talking about, it, it's that she doesn't know that she needs that. She thinks she's got all the tools that she needs. It's yeah, that's the, the problem, past. right? And so mm. well, she might be the best Googleizer, who knows? But um, <laughs> Googleizer, she just doesn't know that she needs that info. So yeah. Uh, like from my point of view into what to do in that, I, I've done nothing. I, I've kind of been, well, for starters, I've been very busy, been doing a workshop and traveling. And so I haven't, that's where my mind has been. Yeah. But I thought, you know, writing a comment, I just feel like we sort of need to do something. And here we are. We're doing it. We're talking. We're yeah. doing this. If someone knows that woman, send her this. And she can hear me call her a bitch. And she can call me and abuse me like, like we've been down that road before. <laughs> yes. But anyway, um, the, the problem is I, I feel like just the comments that are seen on her page, she sees as personal attacks. And so they're not helpful. I think that the way that uh, Ivan shared her video – and didn't address her directly but mm-hmm. was saying this is bad, I think that is probably quite helpful. And hopefully she would see something like that, know who he is and go, okay, well, like, you know, maybe I am on the wrong track. But well, then, if
1: a if a world champion of a particular dog sport yeah. is and who
0: is a master at remote tra- Yeah, uh, and remote a, like users. a known defender of the collar yep. as well. So, yep. But then I think that the real path to stopping her treating dogs like that is I think as you say, a private message, maybe not from an individual, but from a group. Like a peer review group. Here's a panel of people. Yeah. And in this group, surely you know a few of these names, right? Mm. Here here they are, and we're all saying together, hey, you're on the wrong track. Yeah. You need to re-educate yourself. Yep. If 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 working with dogs is what you want to do, you need to re-educate yourself and come in line with modern best practices. Then, there has to be a line in the sand, like after that, if she then goes, no, like you guys are haters, and we go, okay, well, now we have to crucify you like yep. we have to we have to hang you to the walls because we've tried everything else, but I think just throwing it to the walls initially is it, that's not that's unreasonable yeah that's a, a, that's as unreasonable as
1: what we're suggesting she is doing, yeah, yeah, so i I agree, I think that that's the way is the review panel and pointing out to her how she can change what she's doing, um, but just giving her those avenues of access.
0: Yeah, yeah. And look, I think and hope that the, I, I'm pretty sure the ISOP is in the path to doing that. And, and they're not a reactionary force. You know what I mean? These things take time, but it should ha- happen hopefully without any fanfare. You know what I mean? Like she should just get that letter and it should all just go away. It doesn't need to be a big public. Thing. No, I don't like some of those things being done publicly. I
1: think that that needs to have it, be a conversation that does happen and she gets the ability of the right of reply. Yeah. And hopefully- But then post
0: that, if she holds her ground, then I think public is the way to go.
1: Yeah. Well, if she, if, I mean, look, if she turns around and says, no, I'm not doing it, I'm right in what I'm doing and, you know- I'm like wonderful dog trainer. You 1,000 people of combined intelligences are all wrong. Mm. Well, what can you do? Yeah. Yeah. But
0: that's, again, that's how the force-free community feel about us. Yeah. Is, yeah, that's right. This yeah. is a that's the problem. Man, this is this is there's no clear answer here to me. It's hard, isn't it? It's yeah. a
1: difficult one, and I guess this is the the aspect of the us and them culture that exists in in just about everything. You know, I mean, we've had Georgie and on here before that talking about horses and greyhounds and yet, you know, they'll outline their ethical point of view and there'll still be people out there and go, "No, it's just totally disgusting, I wouldn't do it, and yet there are other people saying, well, that's why I'm in the role Mm. to ensure that this doesn't happen because it's happening anyway, whether you want it to happen or not, but my role is to actually secure and envisage a better lifestyle for these dogs while they are doing it and make sure that everything about what we're doing is ethical and that I'm working for the dog or for the horse. And effectively, that's what you and I do in our day-to-day training programs and most people that we know. um, They're they have that same philosophy. Their mm. ethical standpoint is that we're trying to improve communication aspects between humans and animals to make sure that um, what we are viewing in those videos doesn't happen. Yeah. We don't have dogs or, or horses or um, any companion animal that's involved in any human action that is, is squashed and shut down.
0: Yeah. That has yeah. the the ability to understand what it, it needs to do to find its advantage. You know, for me, at the end of the day, with all the, all the teaching I'm doing, I'm doing of, of people and of dogs, mm. if we can, if there's anything that can come of these videos and, and certainly what we've been talking about and it ties back into what we said right at the start is that in everything that you're doing in, in, when you're training a your dog, think about what the fuck am I intending to communicate to the dog and do what is necessary in order to do that. Like if, if you can communicate what you want using positive reinforcement, like do that. And if you can communicate what you want using some guiding pressure, do that. But remember, it's like guiding pressure, not fucking ram and cram you into the position. Yeah. Like, remember that you're communicating all the time with the dog. And in every reinforcer that you have, positive, negative reinforcers, whether you're using punishment... Positive, negative punishment. However you're communicating with the dog, communicate with the dog correctly Mm. so that you don't have to just go to your fucking fight club with the dog. It's totally unnecessary. Yeah. I don't know if you saw it on the forum because
1: you were probably in transit when I put it up, but I put that video up of – It's a European video where a guy has a conga line of people. Oh, yeah, I've seen that a while ago. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. he starts with one guy.
0: Yeah, it's a very good video.
1: Yeah, I put that up on the forum and that's what I said is, you know, this is what happens to the dog. Mm. You know, it's the incremental stage of where things start going wrong and you can see that in that line of people. So, the one guy starts off, the presenter of the point that he's trying to make, he gets a whole line of people. The example he makes is somebody getting on a motorbike, turning it on and then riding off on the motorbike and then stopping and putting the peg down or something like that. So he he clearly shows one guy and that guy does a very good visual representation of showing the next guy. It starts to get halfway down the line and by the time it gets halfway down the line, there's no visual cue of the motorbike anymore. It looks like something like a little dance step. By the time it gets to a third of the way down the line, it looks like, somebody definitely doing a dance step with wavy hands going one way and then wavy hands going the other way. So what the visual interpretation is or what it's incrementally digressed into is one very physical explanation of how to ride a motorbike, like an air air example of how to do it, into a dance step of going left and right with your hands twirling around in the air. The two of them look nothing like they should have. Mm. And that, to me, is a good physical representation of what happens with poor training, Mm. okay? You have an idea in your head about how to do something, but yet the dog has perceived that because incrementally, well, the problem is it hasn't been incrementally explained to the dog and the dog hasn't had sufficient time to absorb what you're trying to do. So the dog's portrayal of what you want is a shitty little dance step and yet you get aggravated and angry with the dog. This tends to happen quite a lot in training aspects. And this is a, an example of what, what I think we're trying to point out is that people really need to make sure that whatever it is that you're trying to do, the dog has a clear indication of what it is. And it should be achievable. And the dog sh- should know how to control what happens to
0: it as an aspect of whether I choose to do it or not. Yeah, for sure. You know, an example of that, just in a real – aside from our – whinging about people episode now, some actual dog training stuff. Yep. An example of that, I always use with people is say they're healing, right? Mm. So I say, oh, I have some issues with the healing. And I say, okay, before you even get the dog out, tell me what healing is. And they go, oh, well, it's, Walking you know, by your side. it's kind of being here by my side. Where do you want the dog's head? Oh, well, I want that, like, you know, looking at me. And I go, you couldn't even convey to me with our human language- Uh, What healing is How on earth Are you going to convey it To your Mm. dog Who you can only show In pictures Right So And even some of the More precise training Well actually not some of All of the more precise training I've ever seen Is People who have taught Their dog to heal Really nicely Right what happens every time you tell the dog to out off of a decoy for the first time or off of a sleeve or whatever for the first time and you tell the dog to heal thinking it will come back to you. It heals against the decoy Yeah, because your criteria of a heel is say, eye contact with me, you know, your right shoulder touching my left leg and body straight. Right. That's what people think is what they've communicated to their dog. Mm. But what they've communicated to their dog more often than not is eye contact with the person holding the reinforcer your right shoulder touches the left leg of the person holding the reinforcer and and straight body against the back of it. Yep. And so when the dog then heels against the decoy, they're... They're correct. They're, yep. Their criteria, as you've explained it, is correct. Yep. And then you have to add a new layer and go, no, no, it's actually me. Mm-hmm. Whether I have the reinforcer or someone else has the reinforcer, it doesn't matter. The reference point is the person who says heel, not the person carrying the reinforcer. Well, that's an issue with direct reinforcement all the time in training. Yeah, but we see we that with – even my dog who's trained hardly ever with direct reinforcement, they mm-hmm. always go into uh, – the first time they're out, they go into a heel against the, the, yeah. the dog. Randy's done it. Remco's done yeah. it. And and, and and we count on it. We it. Use it to yeah. train. We use it to train the transport. We yep. count on it happening. We know it's going to happen. Yeah. But it's a good example of you think you've conveyed one criteria to the dog, but you haven't, mm. right? And at that point, a lot of people they get embarrassed or frustrated when that happens, and you know, I'm usually I see it coming, so I've prepped the people to intervene and say like, no, 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 like he's right, and you we just got to show him now, like, and it's like come on little buddy like a yep. little bit of like hey come on like you've got it wrong this is what I you mean you just don't further reinforce for the dog getting it wrong yeah and then mm. help them get it right yep. as soon as they do reinforce that and then it only happens once or twice ever Yeah. but it's a good example there where I say like a lot of people don't if you don't if you can't clearly communicate the criteria of what you want to a person yep. you have fucking less than zero chance of being able to clearly articulate it to a dog Yeah. and even then you have to be very careful that what you think think you've taught the dog how to do is what the dog is doing because it can appear that it's one and it's actually it's the other. Mm. You might think the dog understands you perfectly and he's doing as you say and intend for him to do, but in his mind he's added an extra step. There's a superstitious behavior in there or something Mm. that in another context makes that behavior impossible to do. Like if you've told your dog to down and you've used a marker board and he gets used to the idea of the front of his feet kicking the front of it, the marker board on the way down – absent the marker board, he can't do that. And mm. therefore he thinks that the behavior can't be done. Just little things like that. So you need to be there careful and then say, oh, well, I've taught this to my dog. And this is knowing your dog and knowing like knowing where you're at in training. He knows this very well in one context. If he's not doing it in another... Is it that he's distracted or like whatever bullshit excuse you make up, is he looking at this the the moon and thinking it's a tennis ball? <laughs> or does he not understand it in this context? Mm. And and what, what guiding help can I give to help him understand it? Yeah. And it falls in line with the main
1: question that's asked on the Napo Po course. The first question that people are asked yep. why does a dog do what it does?
0: Yeah. Why does a dog do anything to yep. better his own situation? Yeah. That's a that's you only gotta keep that in mind and, yep. and you're fine. Everything falls into place after that. Yeah. Even Colonel Conrad Most in his
1: book, Training Dogs and Manual, there's a point in there that he says, it's the sharp contrast between the agreeable and the disagreeable, which teaches a dog where its advantage lies. And when this is taught correctly, the dog will learn very quickly. Mm. The emphasis on that passage is the dog learning where its advantage is. Mm -hmm. So if it's perceived advantage, it's still to the dog, it's still the
0: dog's advantage until it sees otherwise. Yeah, that's right. Mm. Hey, let's wrap it up. Yeah. All right. Well, bit of a clunky episode. Yeah, it right. went all around the shop then, didn't it? Yeah. But
1: the emphasis on that on this podcast was that the videos that we saw pretty much have kicked a lot of people in the feels. Mm. I think it's a bit of a call to action. I'd love to hear back in the in the community in our discussion group. In we've put forward some suggestions on what we think are a better way to deal with it. What about you? Mm. You know, like let's get this rolling in the discussion group. It deserves a little bit of intelligent thought and something by design on how do we come together as a community to fix these situations better? Mm. Let's hear from you guys.
0: Mm. Yeah. Some people in the industry need a release of their ego. I think that would help a lot. And Anyway, we'll wrap it up. (laughs) Yeah. All right. That's it for another episode of the Canine Paradigm. As always, if you like what you hear, please like, rate, share, subscribe. Do that through whatever subscription service you download us from. Tell a friend. That helps us get the word out. Mm. If you want to get in contact with us, you can do that via email. We are info at the canineparadigm.com. And if you want to support the show, best way to do that is via Patreon. Three bucks a month gets you extra content per month. Ten bucks a live Q&A, which I'll be doing the next very soon. You get um, a, the multiple markers one. Yeah, I'll be doing that. Well, I won't say when because I don't know when this is coming out, so I can't really give a reference, but it'll be soon. Okay. Or it might have already happened. By the time, <laughs> I don't know. The future. Yeah, the future. It'll happen at some point in yep. time. And that's it. All right. Music.